Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Tools to Support Clients with Self-Management. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on July 26, 2017. This webinar is presented by the Lewin Group in collaboration with SAMHSA HRSA Center for Integrated Health Solutions and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. In this podcast, Matthew Federici, Executive Director of the Copeland Center, talks about the Wellness Recovery Action Plan, or RAP, model. So welcome, everybody. Um, my name is Matthew Federici. I'm the Executive Director of the Copeland Center for Wellness and Recovery. We are, um, uh, myself and the organization is an organization run by people in recovery, um, I'm going to talk about the Wellness Recovery Action Plan, um, both as a tool and as an evidence-based practice, uh, briefly today. Uh, the Wellness Recovery Action Plan was uh, designed and developed by people in recovery, um, emerging out of a time when very little was available about recovery, um, and actually as a reaction to the lack of information um, that was there, uh, but coming from a place of um, need and hope. Um, Mary Ellen Copeland uh, was a person in recovery who almost died from lithium toxicity and who also, um, whose mother was, they were told, was incurably insane um, and was locked in an, uh, an asylum at that time. Um, she, however, did get well and uh, leave the asylum and became a well-known nutritionist in her community. Uh, this was really kind of a spark of hope that uh, sometimes what you're being told about the uh, your situation, uh, you know, that truth combined with uh, almost dying from lithium toxicity really inspired uh, Mary Ellen to reach out to people like her mother, like herself and others and say, uh, what what can we do to get past and beyond? So it's really about building self-efficacy. Um, Mary Ellen is the founder of our nonprofit organization, and uh, we continue uh, as an organization of peers to implement and provide technical assistance uh, really worldwide um, around these recovery strategies that emerge from, from this community. Um, and, uh, you know, what I need to say about who we are as peers is that many of us now, we have evolved that people are utilizing uh, the plans and the tools and the concepts that they're learning in this course, which I'll go over, uh, for diabetes, for addictions, for uh, we have groups of people who are epilepsy patients that are utilizing the program peer-to-peer um, in, in navigating the, the daily lifestyle and creating structures you need to get well and stay well, despite many, many different uh, challenges. Um, and that's, that's what's working, and so the community is building from this peer uh, perspective. Uh, next slide. Uh, so the evidence-based practice, uh, which was a randomized control trial study, uh, and as I said, although focused in on people who were identified as having 
what is often called serious and persistent mental illness or diagnosis that fall into that category. Um, the randomized controlled trials uh, looked at people who came from that perspective, although many of people where they start is very self-directed. So where people really apply the concepts most and begin their action planning, uh, utilizing the tool and the process, uh, it, it can start anywhere from improving relationships to housing. It's not uh, prescribed. Uh, RAP basically guides people through a process of identifying their personal wellness resources or wellness tools, and then how to use those resources as a guide to daily living, uh, dealing with triggers, early warning signs, uh, indicators that things are breaking down, and developing a crisis and post-crisis plan um, are core parts of the, the course curriculum. Uh, next slide. Um, the curriculum is delivered in a peer support group context. Uh, that has been widely used with people of all ages, including those with varying mental health diagnosis, other disabilities, uh, and those from varied income circumstances and diverse cultural backgrounds. Uh, there's probably uh, roughly over 10,000 people that have been trained in a five-day uh, facilitators course, which prepares them to take people through a very specific practice of facilitating these topics uh, in groups in their community. Next slide. So the evidence-based practice uh, showed positive impacts uh, of learning RAP um, that was primarily through, again, a peer-based self-help group. Um, and again, one of the cornerstones of uh, it being peer-based and led, although in the initial study, the individuals were identified, uh, self-identifying with uh, having mental health diagnoses, uh, the real element of peerness in the room is that people are talking about how they're using the plans. They're illustrating the use of the concepts in their life um, with lived experience. How you document, share, and continue to work on your wellness action plans from this program can take many forms. Um, people journal them. People, There's apps that have been made available, collages, uh, audio recordings. Uh, how people apply and organize uh, the concepts of the learning can take any form people want. Uh, the core thing is that you and only you choose how to use the RAP plan, um, who are your supporters and who you give it to. Um, these are core principles uh, in the program. Um, everything is centered around the self-agency of the person. Next slide. Um, the uh, core element of the practice is centered around uh, core values or beliefs and and. Uh, behaviors or practices, um, some of these that are um, what the five-day facilitator training centers around um, is things like it's based on self-determination, uh, it's rooted in the belief in equality, um, it's a mutual learning model, and we avoid medical and clinical language um, in the illustrations. Uh, so we talk more about, in layman terms, what are those events and circumstances, for example, that when they happen uh, can cause us to be uncomfortable, um, challenge our wellness vision, uh, rather than uh, utilizing clinical language to describe that. Um, it's rooted in the idea that there are no limits to recovery or what people's plans may be or how far they can go. Um, and it's focused on the person's strength and away from any perceived deficit. These are values that um, ripple through uh, every layer of the course that we provide. And uh, we look very closely at 
how every behavior as a facilitator that we engage in the group, um, how well do we promote these values? Next slide. So the Copeland Center uh, really focuses on a process and, and uh, all the work we do that is focused on two fundamental values, which, which this would say is which the, the self-help mental health field was historically built not necessarily what the actual mental health field had been historically built upon. Those two key core values are that people are experts in their own recovery and wellness and that people with shared experience can support each other effectively. Next slide. Okay, so getting into the meat of what is covered in um, the uh, RAP facilitated evidence-based practice groups. Uh, it's co-facilitated through 8 to 12 sessions. I, I recommend the 12 sessions, but um, the uh, study really demonstrated the effectiveness most strongly at at least 8. Um, and we go through the following areas of what we can call wellness and recovery action planning, uh, starting with five key concepts, um, hope, personal responsibility, education, self-advocacy, and support. Uh, critical to this is uh, really processing with the group uh, what these concepts mean to people, um, and it becomes the foundation of everything else that is built on. Um, this was actually the first study that uh, Mary Ellen got from the kind of qualitative assessment of stories that came into her as she reached out for support, and these were the five core areas that came back that were working for people. And when the curriculum rolled out initially, peer-to-peer -peer on these key concepts, uh, the feedback was, but how do I put this into practical application? Uh, and, and that's where uh, the, the plan, starting with a daily maintenance plan, uh, was developed in response to that question we had, how do we put this into practical application? Uh, the, the other second key part in study was noticing uh, that people had lots and lots of simple and safe strategies inexpensive, even free things that were really key. They were unique to them, and they were a collection of ideas we called the wellness toolbox. Um, each of these build on upon themselves, and they're very important in the rollout of the curriculum, because once we develop that toolbox, we being each person identifies those own ideas that they have. No one gives each other advice, but they pick up ideas from the discussion with other people. Now we can begin to put our plans into place based on the resources we've developed, and that starts with a daily maintenance plan. Daily maintenance plan uh, is a part where we look at how, you know, what do we look like when we're well? This was foundational for me because for many years I've been living in what I look like when I'm not sick. And to ask this question really took my own recovery and skills in my life to a whole new level because I never really actually articulated wait, what does wellness look like in my life? Um, it's not just the, just the absence of sickness is, is really a, not a good start. Uh, from there, we, we then come up with the tools we need to put into place each day to promote that vision and then things we need to do on occasion or goals that we want to set. Next is the trigger and action plans. Um, these are events and circumstances, and it's really not about just identifying the triggers but learning the practice of, hey, I can start to really pay close attention to my life I can look at things that when they happen are going to be a challenge and have an action plan in place. I can look at, you know, indicators or signs. Maybe they're not causes, but they're indicators that if I can notice them, I can put actions in place. Then we look at kind of progressively 
uh, signs that, you know what, I got to act quickly here and put some action plans in place. And then we get into um, crisis and there's like nine parts of the crisis plan, including many factors that are um, useful for advanced directives. And then post-crisis plan, how do I transition back out of a crisis? Oftentimes uh, we come out of a crisis, a hospital, even a vacation because we needed it, and we just rush right back and burn out and obey way back in. Um, so in this brief amount of time, that, that is the, the core of the curriculum that has gone over in a facilitated peer uh, process. Next slide. So uh, as I said, it is a rant, was looked at from a uh, randomized controlled trial level, which gained it its evidence-based practice status. Uh, I do want to highlight that there actually are three randomized control studies looking at um, the RAP practice. Um, the first one really looked at the overall positive outcomes, this increased health, increased uh, quality of life, um, decrease in symptoms, et cetera. Um, the second study, which I think is really pretty um, significant, is it demonstrated a decrease in service utilization and self-reported need for services. So people who have gone through the intervention came out the other side using services less and feeling that they needed those services. To me, this really underscored how it really bolstered one's sense of self-efficacy. Uh, and then the third piece was uh, a study that really showed that people who went through this uh, intervention, if you will, had an increase in their ability to advocate in their doctors in a doctor-patient setting. Next slide. So the intervention that we're talking about, again, is it was uh, two and a half hours uh, weekly for eight weeks. Um, really, the important element of this is that a certain amount of time is lent to discussion through each, um, each section. Uh, so it can be, uh, I, I really would suggest uh, studies that I've seen or evaluations where they shorten the groups to one hour. It's, it's too short. Uh, you just about start, get started, and, um, you know, the, the group dissipates. And I really think the peer group empowerment is critical to activating people to use these tools. Um, so there are ways in which this is rolled out in three full days, um, and it pretty much allows for the same amount of time it was done in the study. Uh, it follows a highly standardized curriculum. Uh, as I outlined, those topics um, and specific definitions for them are pre previewed and presented, and uh, in particular, how we facilitate the discussion upholding those values and ethics is critical. Next slide. Um, so facilitator curricular departures were uh, discouraged. Um, it was a part of the fidelity measure that people were co-facilitating. They, uh, they followed the progression of the topics. Um, that the co-facilitators gave illustrations through each section of their own use of the RAP program. Um, and that they followed a review checklist after each session where they looked at those values and ethics and evaluated how well and if they were upholding um, values and ethics, like did we create a message of hope in every session we did? Um, did we avoid medical and clinical language, et cetera? Next slide. So as this has expanded, as I mentioned, there's probably over 10,000 people who have been trained in a five-day facilitators course. Um, the Copeland Center has trained over 600 advanced facilitators who are trained to roll out the five-day facilitator training. Um, all of this is to ensure that the content is not drifting away from its core 
content as well as the values and ethics of the actual practice. How we facilitate these discussions are critical to what made it work in the evidence-based practice. Um, so the core uh, intervention, if you will, or group is the, the um, developing a wellness recovery action plan. Um, seminar one is what we call it, and uh, that is the eight to 12 week uh, approach. Uh, then there's the five-day facilitator certificate course. This is where people exercise, giving illustrations of their wrap and the specific techniques of bringing the group together uh, in a peer-oriented way that actually upholds the concepts we're talking about, such as personal responsibility. Um, so uh, at the Copeland Center, we have a listing, a directory of people trained uh, is not uh, all of it is the, those individuals that stay connected to the community um, uh, get listed as the facilitators searchable by zip code, um, as well as a list of advanced facilitators that can uh, implement the five-day facilitator training for capacity building on local areas. Um, we also provide a lot of webinars uh, and technical assistance with agencies in terms of um, how to put things into place uh, so that the values and ethics are upheld. Um, next slide. All right, also you can find at our website, there's a document called the Way Wrap Works. This document was developed uh, with uh, the 600 and some, you know, thousands of facilitators out there. Uh, so, you know, basically submitting input about challenges to implementing the model uh, in practice out in the field uh, and uh, certain core areas in which need to be addressed, uh, certain areas uh, to help advocate for and assist organizations implementing the evidence-based practice. This is a free downloadable uh, document on our website. You'll see some testimonies uh, where people just speak passionately about, uh, for example, why the co-facilitating approach um, is critical to modeling the, the beliefs and the values of the program itself. 